0: Welcome to Ask the Experts on City News 570. I'm James Sebastian Scott, filling in for Brock Greenhalge. Today, I'm joined by Faisal Susiwala. Faisal is ranked among the top three real estate brokers in the world for REMAX and was recently named Canada's top agent for 2022. Faisal began his career at 18 years old and has been providing outstanding results to clients for more than 30 years, most notably with REMAX Twin City Realty. Faisal is here today to talk about the recent Bank of Canada decision to raise interest rates by 25 basis points and many more topics along the way, and to give you some more information on real estate terms that you need to know as well. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Faisal. Thank you for having me on, James. Uh, So if you're interested in any of the information that is provided today, you can reach out to Faisal. You can start your journey at homeshack.com, and you can also call him directly 519 624 5555 or by email at Faisal at homeshack.com. Uh, Faisal, thanks again for uh, joining us today to talk about uh, the real estate market uh, here. Uh, so I guess uh, just to start, uh, what's kind of the market update for us here uh, that that you have uh, put together for us today?
1: So, you know, we've had a very strong first uh... Half of year, Uh, it led. uh, It started strengthening right after the Bank of Canada early this year announced that they would not be raising interest rates. And when that happened, all of that pent up demand that was in the market started flooding the market. Buyers who were sitting on the sidelines decided, well, less is good news. So remember, the rates didn't go down. They just stayed stable, which sent a positive uh, message out to the marketplace, which created um, appreciation up to 15% in our local marketplace on real estate values. Um, From November of last year to May of this year, we were up 15% on the average price of a home. Now, of course, that started declining. Uh, As soon as June rolled around and there was a quarter percent increase in the market, then we had an adjustment again. But the market sentiment's been very positive up to now. There's a little bit of fear mongering that's going on with, you know, rates and what's going to happen coming into the fall and that type of thing. But Um, We we saw that, you know, whenever there is something that happens in the marketplace, the first um, action is to pause and that pause creates pent up demand, which then creates an influx of buyers, which creates that vicious cycle of bidding wars and home selling for well above asking price and even as early as yesterday. Uh, I sold a home for $215,000 over its asking price. So it's not that buyers are not out there. It's not that sellers are not selling, they're making far more thoughtful decisions than they were making back in, you know, the wild uh, times of COVID. Um, But we're still seeing the demand is there, because there's such a shortage of housing in our, in our marketplace, and that's going to continue increasing. So uh, generally, the market has been very, very good. Uh, We're going to, continue to see uh, some stability, maybe a little bit of softening, but nothing uh, serious in my opinion.
0: Uh, you mentioned uh, just a little bit about how uh, the housing market uh, has performed so far in, in the first half of this year. And, uh, you know, we saw a report that that came out that, you know, it kind of uh, the real estate market kind of rebounded a little bit in June. So uh, I suppose when you when you look at that uh, and and you look at what could potentially happen in the future, uh, what, what are you seeing on your end of things on, on how the, the market is going to, I guess, stay the same or rebound or continue heating up? cooling down. Is there anything that you can uh, share with us about that? Well, with every quarter percent increase, my
1: experience has taught me that we see a two to three percent decline in property values because the same amount of mortgage payment needs to be able to purchase. That purchasing power is now declining, so the value of the home needs to match the purchasing power. Uh, For example, if $3,500 a month was getting a $700,000 mortgage when the rates were 2.5%, When the rates are 5%, that $3,500 is not going to get a $700,000 mortgage. So the, the value of that home is going to have to match that. So we're seeing a lot of that happening. But on the flip side, the unintended consequences of all of this going on is that buyers are unable to buy because of the rates increasing, their payments increasing. So they're going into rental properties. Now, landlords are saying, well, my mortgage payment is going up because my renewal is coming. Um, So I need to charge a higher rate for the rent. So instead of $2,800, they're charging $3,000 a month for the average townhome that's out there. So there's going to be some volatility in the market. We're going to see a little bit of a dip in the market coming into the fall. There's no question about that. Uh, But that doesn't mean that there are not going to be buyers out there for your home and it doesn't mean that there won't be inventory in the market you just have to be out there at the right time get the right advice and be ready to trigger you know we look back um five years and you never say i'm glad i didn't buy five years ago uh you always say i wish i'd bought then or i wish i'd bought more then." i wish i'd invested more in real estate back then because it's 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 an upward trend over the long term and real estate buying and selling is not really um, you know, uh, a short-lived um, action. It's it's something you invest your money in, you hold. And those who are into flipping, which I'm not, and I don't encourage it either, uh, for many reasons, you're in and out. There's very little profit margin, especially in the market today. And then you're getting taxed based on, you know, the tax laws are changing uh, where you're being taxed as, as an income. And, and so you don't really have a real upside. So we will see, I think, some volatility in the market um, coming into the fall. But overall, real estate is still the best investment opportunity that's out there and everybody needs a home to live in. So we're going to see the market continue to be at least stable uh, for the next uh, three months.
0: Uh, Faisal, you mentioned a, a few times that there there are still buyers out there, even though there's some of that uh, fear mongering that you mentioned, but also some of that, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, people being scared to to get into the market at the way that the interest rates are, are going up now. So I guess uh, just with the inflation and the interest rates, could you go into a little bit more detail just about uh, what people are feeling when it comes to uh, buying a house with interest rates going up and with inflation going up as well, driving the price up?
1: There's lots of frustration in the market. This whole interest rate, um, you know, Bank of Canada Act, it's a double-edged sword. So on one hand, you've got the Bank of Canada saying we need to raise interest rates because it seems to be the only tool in their toolbox is let's raise interest rates to get inflation under control. So by raising the rates last month, quarter percent, the inflation went down to 3.4%. That now gave them that... uh, confidence to say, hey, look what we're doing. It's working. So let's raise it another quarter percent. So a couple of days ago, we had another increase of a quarter percent, again, to help curb this inflation situation. Now, if they simply pause, what's going to happen is going to send a positive message out into the market that Things are you know, now stabilizing. So let's jump back in. What will that create? More inflation. So it's a vicious cycle that we're going to be in. What they have to really attack is supply chain. What they need to attack is corporate profits, not just look at interest rates to say that's the only tool or weapon that we have to combat inflation. The other point that's frustrating buyers immensely right now is what we all remember is the stress test that stress test came into play when interest rates were significantly lower. They were 2%. So the Bank of Canada and OPSI came out with this idea, which was, I think, a good idea. And it's, and, and it's being implemented right now that if you're getting a mortgage for you know, 2%, you still need to qualify at 2% above that. So add another 2% for qualifying. You're not paying that extra 2%. But we want to know that if the rate went up to 4%, you can still afford to buy that home and you're not going to lose your home. Well, right now, the five-year mortgage is trending at around 6%. So at 6%, if you got to add another 2% for qualifying purposes, you're now at 8%. There's not a lot of people with average household income that are going to be able to afford an 8% mortgage rate that they need to qualify on. So I think that these rules need to start easing in order for people to be able to buy and not be forced to rent, so there's a lot of frustration in the market right
0: now. I'm glad you mentioned that stress test, uh, Faisal, because I, I do think that people seem to forget that that stress test is even you know I- implemented in that. So I guess what's your best advice for for folks who are uh, looking to to get into the market for maybe the first time who might have to go through that stress test uh, and and might forget that that's part of the process.
1: I think talk to your financial advisor. Talk to them sooner than later. Talk to them before the next increase because there could be another increase coming in the fall. So get your rate locked in. Ask... Mortgage brokers for alter- alternative financing options. Um, there, there are institutions that don't need to follow stress tests. So you may qualify. Also, really look strong and hard. Do you want to lock in for a five-year rate? Or are you comfortable with a two-year or three-year rate? It may be a, an edge higher, but what that's giving you is the ability to jump out of that rate if the rates come down. In my opinion, rates will drop eventually. It could be a year and a half. It could be two years. The good news is that you're buying homes at a much reduced discounted value today than you would have a year ago.
0: Uh Thanks for, for adding that on there, Faisal, for that advice for folks who are looking to get into the market. Uh, We're going to head to a break. Uh, we'll have more of Ask the Experts with Faisal Susuala right after uh, this commercial break. It's 570. I'm joined today by Faisal Susiwala and we're talking about uh, the latest market update in uh, Waterloo Region locally here and some interest rates talk uh, that, that we had in the last segment. Uh, we're moving into uh, another segment here about popular new home sites around the region and, and some of the best places to buy or invest. And we're going to get some advice here from Faisal who uh, sees this every single day and, and is uh, you know fielding questions from folks who are looking for those popular new home sites. So I guess start with that Faisal, what, what are people mostly looking for when it comes to uh, buying? And then we'll get into the uh, best places to buy and invest after.
1: Well, one of the main advice that I'm giving to buyers right now is that don't look for your forever home. Don't don't look at that house that you've been dreaming of and you need to and don't bite off more than you can chew. Get in. Get your foot in the door. Yes, interest rates are higher than they were, but prices are significantly lower than they were. So look at the opportunities that are out there, both in resale and in new. Now you mentioned new and and with the new home sites, you have to be very careful. You have to make sure that the builder or the developer that is promoting the site, number one, has now aligned their values to what the new prices are. So when we look back at February of 2022, the average 2,000 square foot home had hit a value of around $1.3 million. And a builder would sell that same home for $1.4 million. So granted, $100,000 more, but you got a fresh new home, you pick your colors and whatnot. Builders' costs were significantly higher last year because material costs had tripled, quadrupled, supply chain was an issue, getting labour was an issue. So there was a lot of cost um, that was added on to that. Now we look at the average 2,000 square foot home, it's hitting around a, a million dollars. So it's co- it's dropped $300,000. I don't believe, and I could be wrong on this, that a builder had $300,000 margin in his or a profit uh, built into that home that they were selling in 2022. So they may drop $100,000. So now there's a major gap between resale and brand new. So walking into a brand new home site today, you may not get the right value. Now, granted, there are sites that are out there that are brand new where the builders have adjusted. And we're promoting several sites right now as we speak where we've seen those adjustments happen. One is Viva, which is in uh, Kitchener off of uh, Queen Street on Mill Street. Uh, Stacktown home starting at $375,000. That's phenomenal. It's a one bedroom. And my philosophy is get into the game. Don't sit on the sidelines. Because you're not going to score at all if you're sitting on the sidelines. And even if it's just buying that first home, even if you're not going to move in, buy it, rent it out. Because we do know that rents are extremely high right now. Population growth is occurring. There isn't enough homes out there in the market to meet the demand. So we know that there's going to be value and that may become your first home. That may become a forever investment property for you. It may become a home that you can downsize to later on. So that's that's an awesome site that I'm very confident uh, that will do well, especially because the, the the builder has adjusted the values to today's market. They're not still trying to get, you know, 2022 prices because, you know, resale homes are not getting that. Um, the other one is Arbor Park, which is, will be coming out in uh, hopefully the next month and a half to two months, which is at Westmount uh, and Northfield in Waterloo. And they're also stacked townhomes. And they're starting in around that $400,000 mark as well, close to the LRT, close to the university, close to the expressway. So these are all phenomenal sites that uh, keep an eye on my website, homeshack.com. And I'll be introducing these sites that will be hitting the market uh, soon. So those those are, those are some options that you should look at, but don't discount resale. Resale homes are fantastic. Um, There's good opportunities. You may get something with an in-law suite that you can rent out, which is a mortgage helper. And let's face it, today we have to look at, you know, multiple streams of income to make ends meet. And if it means that you need to buy a duplex instead of that home with a white picket fence around it, then so be it. But don't wait uh, until the market is um, increasing again. And it's that herd mentality that's going to hurt you. When you say nobody's buying, so I won't buy, That's not a great idea. Don't follow the trends. In fact, I've always uh, succeeded when I didn't follow the trends and I recommend that. And of course, I'm happy to have these conversations with with your listeners to to, to guide them properly because every situation is different and we can cater their uh, purchase to their needs.
0: I, I wanted to just jump in on a, a few of those conversations there because I, I think it's important to kind of expand on so first off you know I, you're right I think we're in a in an area where uh we do need multiple streams of income to to make ends meet so when when people are or folks are looking at potentially getting into the market but not not really buying to live in you know what's their reaction when you say that to them uh you know they might be renting from someone else and you know they're suddenly investing in a rent property themselves instead of living in a home themselves that they might get a mortgage on
1: so my my advice is it's you're investing and in, and in, in whether you want to believe it or not, your home is your investment. It's your in fact, it's the best investment because it's capital tax free. but I'll give you a great example. Um, my my son goes to Western University. I had no interest in buying a property in London, Ontario. so I'm renting. A property for him in London. But to offset my rent there, I bought a property in the region of Waterloo, where I collect rent on that property, which pays for the rent there. So similarly, what I'm saying is, you may be renting right now, because you can't really afford to go out and buy the house and pay the mortgage and whatnot. But if you can buy a rental property with or a duplex property, and you've got enough rental income coming in to offset your rent, You're still in the game. You're not on the sidelines and you're participating in the appreciation of that home. So that's where you're going to come out ahead in a in a two year, three year, five year timeline. You could sell that property and maybe then go and buy a principal residence for yourself.
0: Uh, thanks for for adding that, Faisal. I think that's important to uh, understand for folks who who might be, you know, hesitant to get into the market uh, who can, uh, but they they look at some of those interest rates, they look at where the market's going, and and kind of get a little bit scared, even if they are renting. So I appreciate that extra insight. Um, when it comes to what we can expect this fall in the market is. Is this fall still a good time to buy or sell? I, you know, I know we're seeing where the market is in the summer, but where, where is it headed for the fall? So, okay, so let's talk about
1: selling, first of all. We've typically seen that the market is always the strongest between April and August. That's your window, typically, where you want to sell your home, because you're going to have a larger audience. You're going to have those folks from Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oakville, Burlington, who want to move into our region for affordability, quality of life, amenities, whatnot. But they need to get their kids into school before September. So we're going to see that influx. And let's also face it that the GTA buyers typically bring more money. And they are bidding to buy as opposed to offering to buy and when you offer to buy you offer less when you bid to buy you bid higher so today right now we've got about a 30 to 45 day runway in this selling year to maximize what you can sell your home for so on the flip side of that if you're buying Yes, you're going to probably pay a little bit of a premium if you're buying in this season, and you may get somewhat of a discount if you wait till the fall, but you may not have the selection, so you might be settling for a home that you're not really too keen on, and remember it's not a short term decision. So waiting until the fall, yes, you could get a little bit of a better deal in October, November, December. Typically, we see a 3 to 5% drop off anyways, regardless of whether or not interest rates are doing well or not doing well. Um, so, so there's a lot of sort of thought that needs to go into it. What's going to um, create an issue this fall, in my opinion, is all of the buyers that had bought homes in 2018... There they may have taken a five year mortgage, and their rate was two point eight or three point two. That five year mortgage is now coming up for renewal because that five years is if you bought in May, June, July, you closed August, September, chances are your renewal date is just around the corner. And that's where a lot of folks are having challenges because those rates have doubled but it's not because the rates doubled on their original mortgage you know the government came out back in 2021 and said and bank of canada came out and said rates are going to stay remain low for a long long time for the foreseeable future and here we are eight increases nine increases later tripled rates so now those folks went out and borrowed money they bought they bought cars they bought cottages they put in swimming pools whatever whatever we want to do we did it because money was cheap well, money's not cheap anymore. Seven point five percent on a on on a, on a line of credit. If you took that, now you're blanketing or you're wrapping that into a mortgage at renewal time. That's going to hurt your double. You're doubling your mortgage payments, and for a lot of folks, that's just not sustainable. So we're going to see, in my opinion, some some issues coming into the fall where people simply cannot afford to be in the homes they're in.
0: I guess that's a, a really good setup for uh, our next segment where we'll have uh, AJ Sharma come in and, and try to explain to us just kind of you know what uh, people can expect with some of those mortgages as well and uh, and what to do at renewal I know you, you mentioned that you know those interest rates uh, back five years ago were fairly low so now you know uh, the people could be sweating to renew their mortgage just because of the doubling in, in interest rates so we'll head to a break first uh, this is ask the experts on city news 570 i'm here with faisal susiwala and we'll be right welcome back to ask the experts on city news 570 i'm james sebastian scott filling in for brock greenhalge who is on vacation joining me uh today on the show is faisal susiwala and we have our special guest aj sharma joining us as well he's a lawyer from guelph from elevate law group uh thanks so much for joining us uh aj thanks for having me james uh, so, AJ, just, uh, I guess, uh, start with uh, just a little bit of an introduction of yourself and, and sure. what you do uh, on a daily basis when it comes to uh, homes in, in the region and in, in and around Guelph.
2: Thank you. Yeah, so we uh, we uh, are specialists in wills and estates and corporate commercial and real residential real estate and commercial real estate. Uh, we make sure that our clients are represented to the best, um, uh, you know, to the full extent of uh, you know, our, our, our service offering. So, uh, you know, on, on closings, 99% of the closings go well. There's 1%, there's always a little bit of hiccups, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the seller not, uh, but, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do with the purchase, not doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, we we work with, uh, you know, we work, I think, hopefully well with all our uh, other lawyers in town and, and the people that we deal with to come up to uh, successful resolutions. And we try protecting our clients. So if we're, you know, if you're purchasing, we make sure that the selling home on title doesn't have any title defects such as liens or CRA liens or anything that would affect uh, your ownership of the home and the bank's mortgage on the home.
0: Uh, and so we that's, that's, that's what we do. Well, thanks for that introduction, Adrian, and I know that uh, we'll we'll definitely get into some conversation around uh, how you can help as well. So I wanted to get started on title insurance because I know that's uh, likely something that, you know, if you are going to be buying a home, you will yeah. uh, have to do that as well. So uh, just start about what title insurance is and how you yeah. can kind of inform our listeners here.
2: Yeah, so title insurance is a, it's a premium that you pay. Uh, when you purchase the house, it's a one-time premium and it covers you for the life of the, the house. So it's it goes to basically title defects. And I'll give some d- examples of that. So for example, let's say a fraudster takes out a mortgage on your house um, or transfers title uh, to someone else that they're not supposed to have title. So we're seeing that a lot these days. You see those news articles where someone creates, you know, fake IDs and, and goes to a lawyer and uh, is able to su- successfully sell your home uh, without any knowledge to you. So title insurance Uh, we'll cover the expense to get your home back in your name and remove any fraudulent mortgages. That's one thing. Unpaid taxes is another one. So property taxes. Um, Our firm has a a mandate that we always order a tax certificate uh, for the purchase and sale uh, because that gives us a snapshot of, um, you know, what taxes are, how much has been paid and so on and so forth. So we don't run into this issue issue a lot, but it does happen time to time where uh, there's tax arrears. Um, So what happens with that is... the uh you know Chicago or sorry title insurance will come in uh pay off the tax fears and then uh go after the selling party to uh clear all that up another one is uh, open permits on the property so for example if uh you know the previous owner of the house got some work done in the basement or uh made some renovations and they they didn't get any permits and the city comes knocking uh title insurance will uh not only work with you and the city to rectify any of the issues um, but also bear, bear the expense to getting your house up to uh, the city's standards. Um, the other one is, for example, the let's say your you know uh, your garage is over the your property line, uh, and your neighbors want it removed or moved, and uh, you know your neighbors come knocking. Um, again, title insurance will swoop in. Uh, they'll take care of ex- the expense of moving the structure uh, and make it right. Another one is liens for unpaid work. So uh, you know this is a big one as well. Let's say you get a big nice pool installed out in the backyard. Uh, and the previous owner forgot to pay the forgot to pay or, or did not pay uh, the pool company uh, for the insulation. And there's a lien register on your house. Uh, title insurance will again then jump in and uh, help you uh, get the lien removed, pay off the pay off the lien, get the you know get the title defect on your house uh, rectified, and uh, and you're on your way. So okay. it's, it, it's, yeah, it's a small. Sorry, go ahead,
1: Faisal. Yeah, I had a couple of questions just just for um, so if you're buying a home. I'm assuming you would not be aware of these items if you were made aware of it, then right. you can count on title insurance, I'm assuming.
2: That's right. So exactly. So if it comes to it, these are things that are unaware to us. So, uh, you know, for example, as lawyers, if we see if we knew there was tax arrears um, and we didn't get an undertaking from the other lawyer to pay these off, uh, you know, we would, uh, you know, title insurance. I don't know. If, I don't know if they would help us, but, uh, sure. you know, we would definitely try. Um, but uh, you know we that's our responsibility to make sure again like all the rears tax arrears and everything are paid up there's no CRA liens if there is a CRA lien and, and we missed it and uh, the lawyers missed it then again that falls to us not necessarily title insurance and the other thing title insurance uh, most often we get what does title insurance not cover so for example if you walk into the house and the kitchen's missing or the appliances are missing title insurance does not cover any of that okay it, it covers only things that go to title which Title is the, the legal document that shows that you have that the house is under your name and there's a mortgage registered under your name uh, on that house.
1: Uh, one other thing that, that uh, you mentioned and, and we're most concerned about, especially with a lot of our senior clients, is they may have bought a home in a time that title insurance didn't exist or mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't required by a mortgage company. And I know it's been required for a long time. Um, and their home is paid off now. So what happens in the case that their home is paid, they don't have title insurance. Is this something that they can add later on in time or should they add title insurance?
2: You I, you can add title insurance uh, uh, if your house is paid off. Um, you know, a lot of people when they, if they have a paid off house and they refinance a house, uh, you know, at that time we have to get title insurance as well. So it'd be a good, it'd be a good addition. Uh, it'd be something to speak to your lawyer about and see if, if it fits your needs and if it makes sense to to add it later on.
1: And how expensive is it to add it later on, or even at the time that you buy a home? With so it home?
2: depends on the purchase price or the refinance price of your house. Um, so example is, um, you know, today, I think I was doing a, uh, We saw title insurance. It was about 900 and as a purchase of a $940,000 in title insurance, about just a lot, just under about 1100 bucks. Um, So uh, again, it's a small, it's a small price to pay
0: for uh, peace of mind. Thank you. And Faisal, when it comes to uh, title insurance, and you know you 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 have clients who are looking to buy a house and and you know the the topic of title insurance comes up uh, where it's an extra cost,, uh, how do you approach that conversation with clients who may not know that title insurance might be something that's really important uh, in the process of purchasing a home?
1: well, I, I make a point of letting my buyers know, like, generally what things in addition to the purchase price they're going to have to pay for for land transfer tax, legal fees, title insurance, you know, all of those things. But I always refer to the solicitor to give them an outline. And AJ is really good at that. He gives them a, you know, right exact amount. So there's no surprises right down to what's applicable as far as HST, what the land transfer tax is going to be. And as AJ said, there is no sort of average cost. It's based on the purchase price. So we can't really quote that out. So it's always good to, to, to talk to your lawyer, ask them those questions. And and what, what I like about what AJ does is that he gives a, complete price this is what it's going to cost you and there's no surprises at the end and you know that's where we we as realtors and i'm sure nobody likes that last minute phone call saying this is like way more than i was expecting to pay so get all your information do your due diligence ahead of time and and that's so i always refer that back to the lawyer to give those answers
0: and AJ, for you, uh, you know, when it comes to clients that you're working with and, and title insurance comes up, is there a, a one-stop shop where they can get uh, this type of information before they even contact you? So they're they're well aware of, uh, you know, something that they need to add to their process?
2: Yeah. So, you know, every lawyer deals with different, there's there's a number of title insurance companies out there from FCT, Steward Title, Chicago Title, there's a number of them. Uh, and it's every lawyer deals with uh, different, you know, a different title insurance provider. Um, So, you know, for for what they can do is if they want to learn more about it, um, they can either speak to their lawyer and the lawyer can provide some verbiage around and some, you know, some pamphlets around uh, or digital brochures around uh, what title insurance is, what I cover so on so forth. Uh, Alternatively, they can do their own research. Um, And just hop online and look at the different uh, providers of title insurance and what they offer and what makes everyone, you know, there's a little, they all cover generally the same thing. Uh, Each obviously insurance provider has their own little tweaks, but uh, 99% they cover the exact same thing.
0: Uh, Thanks uh, for both of you for uh, taking some time to talk about title insurance. We're going to head to a break uh, and just after the break we're going to talk about power of sale and conditions and offers that buyers should be uh, putting into an agreement. So we'll talk about all that uh, right after the break right here on Ask the Experts on City News 570. Welcome back to Ask the Experts on City News 570. I'm James Sebastian Scott filling in for Brock Greenhalge, uh, joining me is Faisal Susiwala and Aj Sharma. We'll continue our conversation today, uh, just about power of sales. So, um, when it comes to that, uh, Faisal, uh, what do, what do people need to know about that? And is is it something that people can can buy under uh, when it comes to power of sales?
1: So power of sales is something, you know, so it's almost a term that we forgot about for, for the last 10 years. I don't recall ever being involved in a power of sales situation. Uh, however, unfortunately in the last three to four months, um, I've had to list three homes that have been under power of sale. And that's primarily where, uh, you know, the bank takes, uh The power to sell the property and, and, and AJ is the right guy on our panel here today to explain, um, you know, how that ends up happening. Um, So I'll turn it over to AJ and AJ maybe you can just tell us how does somebody end up going under power of sale.
2: So a power of sale essentially basically means is that you have defaulted on, on your mortgage or mortgage terms. Um, uh, you know, you've uh, you've done something to either, uh, you know, make the the bank or the the lender upset um, and you can't remedy the situation. So the, what they do is they'll, you know, the first step is essentially that you can't pay your mortgage uh, or the loan. Uh, the second step is the lender or the mortgage company will deliver a notice to you saying, hey, listen, you know, you haven't paid the mortgage in, in three months, four months. Uh, We're giving you a chance to catch up and make good on your payments and remedy the situation. If you're not able to do that as well, uh, the bank will have to go through the core process um, and get legal um, permission to then uh, basically lock the chain, the locks on your door uh, and have you removed from the house and uh, put it up for sale um, to get sale to sell and then uh, recoup their money uh, that way. So that's essentially the process. It's um, it's, it's a, it's unfortunate. It's 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 a, it's a it's a long process. It's a it's a difficult and expensive one as well. But uh, it happens time to time, and it's it's um it's just unfortunately one of those things that uh, you have to bear in mind when you when you purchase a home.
1: Are you seeing a lot of that uh, right now, AJ?
2: Yeah, we're not we're not seeing a ton of it right now. Or I think, our, um, we haven't seen a ton of it. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping we don't see it. It's not something we we rather see. Uh, we would like to avoid that situation. But uh, you know, I'm sure. Uh, it is happening, like you mentioned yourself, Isla. You, you know, you're you're putting some uh, for power of sales on now here now. So, um, so yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And and I've, I'm finding you're not necessarily, you know, the idea of a power of sale is a little bit misleading because people think, oh, it's power of sale. I'm going to get a fantastic deal on this home. <laughs> yeah. it, it's actually typically it's not a fantastic deal, and there's right. a lot of risk associated with it. And correct me if I'm wrong, AJ. But first of all, as soon as the home goes power of sale, you yeah. get sort of the vultures are out there trying to get the best possible deal, but they don't realize they sometimes overpay for it. Absolutely. Uh, no, no warranties that come. No out. reps and warranties.
2: It's as is where it is. So you can walk into the house and, and usually, unfortunately, sometimes that's what happens, right? You know, you buy a power of sale and the, the people that that have lived there, the family that live there are living in a, in a very uh, unfortunate situation. Uh, and they are not happy about leaving. So they will, you know, they won't take, they won't be nice when they're moving out. They won't be uh you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they won't take any protection or precautions moving out. So they'll probably bash up the walls and, uh, you know, the kitchen and so on and so forth, but as a power of sale, you're buying as is whereas, which basically means that, uh, there's no reps and warranties, you know, uh, if the, if the, if the drains are all clogged up again, you're, you're a headache. If the appliances don't work, you're a headache. If there's no kitchen, you're a headache. Um, so, you know, like, like Faisal said, uh, the vultures will, will swoop in pretty quickly, but, um, it's not that, uh, it's not that I would say lucrative uh, if people are, you know, thinking they'll
0: they'll get a they'll get away with the steal. So when it comes to power of sale, then AJ and and Faisal, you can jump in on this too. Uh, what's your your best advice on how to approach a situation like this? Because it almost seems like uh, that that you guys mentioned it, it's not really all that lucrative and it's an unfortunate situation. So you could end up having to pay more money out of pocket to to fix some things potentially. So how do you kind of approach uh, the advice on that?
1: But well, don't don't automatically assume that power of sale is going to be a great deal. And yeah. also, AJ, AJ, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, am I right to say that the person who lost the home has the right to redeem or take that house back right up until closing date?
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah. If they can remedy the situation uh, and and pay off, you know, the, the the banks and the mortgage company, and we've seen it. We've done we've done some of that. So we've been uh, we've been on we've been representing some parties where they're just at the brink of changing the locks. Um, and, you know, and, and they, they're able to speak to, you know, trusted, uh, advisor like Faisal, um, who has many great contacts and, uh, you know, and, and Faisal is able to advise them, Hey, you know, not speak to this person or that person. And they, they're able to, and, you know, Faisal, you know, or someone may be able to save their house for them. Um, and we've been in situations like that, where I remember, uh, not even three months ago, 4 55 PM, RBC was at the, you know, waiting at the bank to, you know, just to get it done. And we, we were able to. Uh, you know, save, they saved this gentleman's house. And uh, it was a great feeling. It's a great feeling.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, that, that, that's exactly what I think buyers need to be aware of that. Uh, you know, you may have your truck ready, packed, ready to move in. And uh, the, the person who lost the home still has the right to redeem or take back as long as they make good on, whatever they owe the lender. Is that right? Yeah, that's
2: exactly it. So, the, so on, on top of your catching up on your mortgage payments, uh, the the lender would, if you defaulted, the lender would probably require you pay their entire loan out. Um, and for that, you would get a refinance done. Um, then there will also be a lot of legal fees added to that because it's, uh, it's it's as a result of your actions that the bank has to take certain steps to go to court and, and you know start the power sale process. Uh, so those costs are borne by you as well. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not only, it's not only just catching up on your mortgage or paying them out completely. It's the added legal costs, um, that come with that, uh, that process to, uh, to get your home back.
1: Yeah. And I would like to like to just jump in on one example of that. Um, in fact, AJ and I were involved in a deal, I think just before Christmas where someone was about to go out power of sale and AJ was able to speak to the lender, get some additional time uh, we were able to make good on a little bit of the payments for, on behalf of that seller, because there was lots of equity. So my advice to sellers is that don't, don't just give up uh, look at the options that you have at hand and, and reach out to professionals that can negotiate on your behalf.
0: And on the flip side of that, too, I think, Faisal and, and AJ, um, you know, what kind of position does that put the the buyer in in a situation like this when it comes to being able to save uh, someone's house on the brink of a power of sale? Uh, it, it clearly puts them in a an in awkward position, too, I, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, the, buy, the buyer is more concerned with just being able to buy that house, right? Uh, but I think it's important that the buyer understand the risks that they're taking on, that there's no warranty. They could be buying a lemon. Uh, the bank is not going to warrant anything to them. And they still run the risk of that person who lost the home could redeem it before the closing
0: date. Yep. Uh, thanks for thanks for adding that in, uh, Faisal. I appreciate that, uh, too. Uh, AJ, is there a final thought on that?
2: Uh, you know, I, like I said, you know, we haven't seen too much of it. I hope we don't see too much of it. Um, it uh it's an unfortunate situation i think for everyone uh that's going through the process but you know it is just it's 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 one of those things about owning a house it you know it, it can happen um and uh you know
0: it just um yeah that's you know those are the final thoughts on that I want to transition now to uh, conditions and offers that buyers should put into uh, agreements. So uh, what, what's, what's the advice that, that you both would give um, to, to people about conditions right now?
1: Well, I'll, I'll just jump in the beginning here. That So conditions are a tricky thing, especially when you're buying a home and um, you're dealing in a multiple offer situation where you're competing to buy. At that point, if you're conditional on financing, on inspection, on the sale of your home, it really reduces your chances of buying that house or winning that offer, even if your offer is higher but you have several conditions in your offer, it's unlikely that the seller is going to choose your offer over the other. But there are also clauses that are very important to add into an agreement of purchase and sale. And I'm sure AJ comes across this all the time where you're probably looking at an offer saying, well, you should have put the stigma clause in there or, you know, uh, uh, you know, pay out your least items clause in there. So maybe AJ can jump in on clauses that buyers should really insist on having in offers.
2: Yeah. You know, I think uh, it's a very different market than, uh, than, than two, three years ago. And Faisal can attest to that. Two, three years ago, any, you know, any conditions uh, would have been, so your, your, your offer would have been sort of thrown away. Uh, today, the offer, the conditions are back Um it's just that type of market now with, with the mortgage rates and, and the, you know, the changing landscape of the real estate world today. Um, And there are some, there are some conditions that, that, that do uh, protect you such as a financing condition. uh, If you're buying a condo status certificate review um, uh, you know uh, again, uh, the uh, like Faisal said, so if there's uh, you know, if there's an AC uh, unit that has been provided by, you know, there's a, there's a lien on the property because you know, you, to purchase an AC unit uh, and the, you know, that needs to be sort of removed from title. So things of that nature, um, again, that's what lawyers are here for, you know, we look to title to see uh, what it is um, that, uh, you know, needs to be removed and needs to be kept there. For example, uh, you know, like I just said, if there's a notice of security interest, you know, we'll, we'll ask the other lawyer to have that removed. Um, and that's a standard clause um, in most uh, purchase uh, purchase agreements. Um, on the sales side, um, Really, not much. I think. I think the purchase. I think the purchase side is where most most of the the liability is in terms of, uh, uh, you know, of uh, the
0: clauses and, and the and the most protections afforded uh, to the purchasers um, on this, on that side. Just going to go back to you on that, Faisal. Uh, just about uh, you know what, what's your best advice? I guess when it comes to conditions right now in this market. I think there's there's
1: certain, it's not so much conditions, but you almost want some warranties. So conditions can be tricky. If you're not competing, absolutely. Put the inspection clause in there. If you are competing, try to get the inspection ahead of time or get a report ahead of time. So get ahead of all of those things. If you're buying a home and you're not sure of the financing, make sure you've got a pre-approval at the very minimum and ensure that the banker has pulled your credit, knows that you qualify, that there's no skeletons in your closet that they're going to discover after the fact um but things like you know conditional sales contracts know about that ask the seller about hidden defects and aj correct me if i'm wrong but if if a buyer doesn't ask about hidden defects is a seller obligated to disclose defects of their home because it's really a gray area it is a very gray area you know
2: there's um there's we we get this all the time for example uh, we just did a closing last week and uh they were removing the flooring and uh, there, was a, there was mold found. Um, and, you know, the, the the purchasers, our clients called us and said, hey, AJ, you know, we're removing the flooring, we're doing reno, we found mold. Uh, is there anything we can do about this? Um, and it's, it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have because you would have to prove that the seller knew about the mold and then purposely did everything in their power to hide the mold uh, so you wouldn't find it. Uh, how do you go out proving that you'd have to go through litigation and it's it's a very expensive and long process to prove something like that Um, but you know it's one of those things caveat emptor which basically means buyer beware so when you're buying a house you have to understand that the risk involved with it you you have to understand that there is you know there may be some issues that that was known was not known to uh, the seller or uh, you know, um, or the or the you know or the purchaser but even even after an inspection. For example, things behind walls, things under the flooring. Um, you know, uh, these things are hard to detect and find unless you do a very invasive um, inspection, which the seller will not like, or, or the seller's agent or the lawyer will not like as well. If you start drilling walls and trying to see what's behind uh, what the wall, or start doing holes in the floor, uh, and then you walk away from the deal, I don't think anyone's going to be very
0: particularly happy about that. Uh, gentlemen, uh, thanks so much. I, I think we could probably talk about this a, a lot longer in depth, uh, but thanks so much for for taking the time to uh, inform us about uh, some of these issues. Uh, we had uh, Faisal Susuwala joining us uh, on Ask the Experts, as well as our special guest here, AJ Sharma. AJ is a lawyer from Guelph with Elevate Law Group, and of course, uh, if you're interested in any of the information that was shared on the program today, you can always reach out directly to Faisal. Uh, you can call them at 519-624-5555 or by email at Faisal at homeshack.com and uh, Faisal your website is homeshack.com as well Uh, so thanks so much uh, to everyone for listening to Ask the Experts today and thanks to my two guests uh, for sharing all the information that we shared in this uh, full hour of the program.
1: Thank you very much for having us on. Yeah thanks for having us